0: You're listening to Fowl with Greg Zahn and Takia Singh. Welcome to Fairfowl. I am your host, Greg Zahn. I'm and with me, as always, is the producer of all things Greg Zahn Media and my buddy Takia Singh. How are you doing, Takia? I'm
1: well.
0: I have uh, I am percolating today because of our, our guests this week. This is one of my favorite teammates of all time. This is a guy who Really knows a lot about pitching and understands the game. Um, we had some good years together, including what I would classify as Josh's best uh, year. Uh, our guest, uh, you you know him, you love him, Toronto, uh, former Jays pitcher, veteran of eight major league seasons, and now uh, the co-host of The Point Spread and coming to us from las vegas nevada josh towers everyone welcome josh nice what's up what's up you guys how are you we are doing very very good um you you were very generous
1: with uh toronto liking me i don't think too many people in toronto like me very much
0: (laughs) come on man Uh, every everybody loves you here you were you were a a very uh colorful guy especially after you drilled a rod um that was uh probably one of the uh, signature moments uh it was funny how you know I'm catching, you're pitching, you smoke a rod, and uh, he doesn't charge the mound. Where, it,
1: you know what's funny is we knew he wouldn't. I mean, it's it's a conversation that we had, that knowing that he wouldn't charge the mound. He just doesn't have it in him. it's, yeah. it's, it's just kind of funny that he acts like that.
0: It's yeah, well, it was funny because he ended up in in a, in a fight with Jason Veritek who is about six inches taller than me and during my playing career probably outweighed me by 40 pounds so he decides to get into it with Veritech and not me yeah yeah he he lets
1: you go and he lets 170 pound towers go exactly when
0: you, to I, you know what though i had him i had him low you had him high so it would have it would it would have probably got ugly he would have definitely ended up with some serious ankle wounds there's no doubt about that my i had teeth back then to, yeah. hey,
1: to go to go along with that lump on his knee.
0: Yeah, there you go. Exactly. So tell me, uh, what's going on out there in Vegas? What are you up to these days, bro? Uh, trying to stay busy,
1: man. After baseball was over, I went kind of. Uh, I thought I was a professional golfer, and so we just golfed all the time. and I didn't work, but now <laughs> that I'm now that I'm back at work and dude, I'm staying crazy busy. I'm. Uh, I got a mortgage job, so I do loans for homes, which takes up a lot of time. But then I got involved with brent musburger and the crew on xm204 which is kind of what you talked about earlier coming in um he, they came to town and they opened a station about sports obviously and about sports gambling which is one of the only ones i think in the country so on xm204 we have VCN vegas sports and information network and it's great because they offer me a job i have the show point spread on the weekends with a mall shaw i co-host with brent musburger and Vinny maulo on mondays or Tuesdays, and then. Um, We have another show on the morning with Gil Alexander that breaks down basically the analytics of sports, which it's kind of neat because he talks about stuff I never heard of. Um, And it's funny because the more I got involved in it, you guys, the more I wish I was still pitching because I understand so much more about the game of baseball and about the numbers and just everything. And also involved with, you know, I'm coaching my son's teams and I have been doing that for years. And I coached with the Mets for a little bit. So I, I learned a lot more about pitching. Uh, I wish I knew all this, man when I played i 'll tell you that yeah.
0: it's actually absolutely amazing the explosion of the numbers um in the game of baseball, and you were a guy that actually could throw the ball where you wanted. you know one of my major complaints is in the game of baseball today is that they 've completely thrown location out the window the, All they talk about is movement and velocity, spin rate, and all this other nonsense, but you know you could have all these numbers at your disposal, but unless you're a guy like yourself who could actually throw it where you wanted to, what good are those numbers? Well, you, yeah, you, it's
1: funny because you break down numbers all the time and you can get somebody like Straley or something and you break down like the really in-depth numbers and he's the worst in baseball, but yet he still has wins. How does that work? You know, it's crazy. We, we get so caught up in, in all this nonsense and we focus, uh, we lose focus of the task at hand, which is winning baseball games. You said it. it starts lower, by the way, you guys. It starts lower levels. I'm involved in youth baseball here, and I have been, and I watch it. They only care about how hard you throw. You could throw 10 miles per hour hard in this other kid and never get an out, but it doesn't matter. You're going to be the one pitches over this other kid who knows what he's doing because you throw hard. They talk about, like you said, spin rate, exit velocity, launch angle, stuff that are absolutely irrelevant to the game of baseball. I mean, you can have whatever launch angle you want, but if you don't hit the ball, how relevant are you? You can um, – have exit velocity of 700 miles per hour but if you don't ever put it in play who cares or if you're getting out every time who cares it doesn't they focus on stats that are meaningless and i think that this club ball era is finally making it to the big leagues and now we're seeing a drastic decline in talent top to bottom in major league baseball and then you know the my two biggest pet peeves are starting pitchers are not allowed to go deep in games so what that means is the bullpens are absolutely getting worn out so now we're seeing bullpens you know as bad as we've ever seen and then you come to playoffs every inning's like the last thing of a playoff so now starters are getting pulled two three innings into a game because they just never pitched in a game deep enough to understand what this feels like and my biggest thing man I tell you what if they would eliminate one pitch if every pitcher in baseball would eliminate one pitch because they all think they're Greg Maddox and they're not (laughs) if they would eliminate the front door sinker they would give up half as many hits. Because if you notice that every ball hit is somebody trying to throw a fastball inside, coming back to the middle of the plate, getting tattooed.
0: Oh, dude, I I a hundred percent agree. I mean, this is a generation of, of, you know, guys trying to put the cart before the horse. Uh, they, they all want to pitch like Maddox. They can make it move, but they don't realize what Greg Maddox did to set that pitch up. You know, I call it, you know, the front door sinker, the dick Nick, whatever you want to call it, depending on who's up there at the plate, whether it's a lefty or a righty, they have to make a guy move his feet or his hips and get out of the way. Those pitches have to be set up because, as you so eloquently put it, those things are going back to the middle of the plate. They're going back to the barrel. They're the dumbest pitch in the world until you set them up. And you, you got to have on, command.
1: On top of setting them up, and that's the other thing that's lost too, is every pitch sets up the next pitch. The hitter dictates what we should throw. The pitch sets up the next pitch. They're they're losing that. I watched Mesoraco call games the other day, and I'm in – Shocked that this guy's in the big leagues. I for the life of me can't figure out how this guy's in the big leagues, or the dude Garner for the Twins. The way they called games, I'm like, are, are we really? Is this really happening right now? So yeah, you have to set it up. But once again, every pitch sets up the next pitch. That front door sinker, for instance, righty to a lefty. You called it the the the. Would you say the dick what? The dick knicker. <laughs> it dick-maker. has. To, you have to be willing to throw it right there. If you're not willing to start it there. It's never going to be a successful pitch. If you're not willing to have some sort of downhill tilt to it, it's never going to be a successful pitch. And if you try to throw it as hard as you can, you're dead. I think Bryce Harper had three doubles on it last night. I know he had one for sure.
0: Yeah, it's 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 one of those pitches where and I look at it on the other side of the coin where you got righties throwing at the righties, and they're not even they're not even waiting. They're throwing it first pitch of the at-bat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Did you are we talking about Uh, three at-bats earlier in the game, let alone we never see a starter face a a team three times anymore. So how could you even set it up? And all it does is it starts glove side, and it sweeps all the way across the plate, giving the hitter a ton of time, exactly, flat as a pancake. And it gives the, the hitter tons of time to see it. It's in the zone a long time. Instead of that downhill four seamer that's only in the strike zone for a split second because it painted at the at the outside corner at the knees and then as soon as it crosses the front of the plate it's out of the strike zone it's yep. almost unhittable and yet it's a lost art and the other lost art is command oh my god
1: dude you're talking about a pitch that I'm trying to start on the on the end of the bat and I'm running it back to your barrel and never going below the barrel i'm leaving it in the middle of the barrel i'm doing you a huge favor i'm running it on your hands and i'm running it right back to your barrel flat because i'm trying to throw it as hard as i can which means it's going to be elevated and i'm going to miss arm side anyways and i'm just doing these guys a favor bellinger hit a grand slam off wheeler the other day wheeler went fastball down the middle got away with it 0-1. this is with two outs fastball down the middle got away with it 0-2. So they called an elevated fastball, 0-2, bases loaded, Cody Bellinger, and he throws a sinker and it drops back down to his barrel and he hits in the second deck for the game-winner in essence. Aww. What are we thinking, man?
0: Yeah, I don't understand what we're thinking. Maddox was
1: willing to locate, like you said. He was willing to locate and miss off the plate if it missed. These guys aren't willing to locate anymore. There's very few. There's a couple. Scherzer's pretty dang good. Verlander's pretty good. Obviously, Jacob deGrom is elite. There's a couple. If you watch them, they actually do it. And that's the other thing, Z. Throw your changeup. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I cuss these guys out on the radio in in Colorado trying to still throw this breaking ball that doesn't spin up at at the Rocky Stadium when they can throw their changeup and actually still keep it at a level to where they can control it and actually have some success. I mean, it's crazy how – and I I can give you so many different examples of it, but it's crazy when we get to the major leagues just by being in the major leagues – Everybody automatically assumes we know the game of baseball or that we always are right when that's completely farce. It's probably when we need the most coaching of our lives, but we let people go. They assume they know everything because they're in the big leagues and they continue to make the dumbest, most fundamental mistakes. And then who, who talks to them about it? I don't see any coaches talking to them about it because all the players are going to go be like, I know, I know. Well, if you know, why do you keep doing the same thing over and over again? we almost have to dumb it down and simplify the game again to Major League Baseball players in order to truly have success all over again. Well, we know you were a command guy. Uh, where did you learn command, how to command the baseball? Ah, Jesus, that's a good question. Um, I didn't know I was a command guy, honestly, because I look back at my high school stats and I see a whole bunch of walks, and I'm like, man, I thought I was better than that. I never looked at my college stats. I know they were really good, but I never looked at them. I was in A-ball in Frederick, Maryland, And I had no idea. Because once again, I hate stats. I hate looking at stats. I want to, everything I did, I based on feel uh, and visualization. Like I just, and that's how I coach too. I don't look at stats. I want to see how kids are playing. Are they giving hustle? Are they running bases correctly? What are they doing properly? Are they throwing downhill? So I never looked at stats. Somebody brought it to my attention in Able. um, I think Peter Gammons wrote wrote a piece on me, a real quick piece. And it said, there's this kid, Josh Towers in Frederick, Maryland. He's got a... What did he say? He's got 145 innings, 9 walks, and 11 hit-by-pitches. And then he wrote hum next to it or something like that. And I was like, what? Wait, dude, that's all I got? Hold on. And I went back to the stats and I looked and I was like, ah, oh, maybe I do throw strikes. And ever since then, that's been the whole... I hate pe- putting people on base because I give up enough hits.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where you, you want to eliminate the walk for sure. But yeah. these guys now are so enamored with the strikeout everybody wants to strike everybody out and the hitters don't seem to care hitters don't. don't seem to care whether they strike out or not they, they, they're looking at it from a completely financial standpoint they're not thinking wow you know what i had my two big rips at it now i got to put a ball in play they're thinking i don't care An outs and out and i don't know about you josh but that sounds awfully selfish to me they're it's not- as selfish as it gets johnny I,
1: there's so many things. i watched anderton simmons the shortstop for the angels swing and miss and take a knee like, uh, with two strikes. And I was like, bro, you didn't even attempt to get those dudes over. It was unbelievable. My Dude, it, I, I just smile when I watch these hitters because they flat out don't care. They strike out. You give me a runner on third base in less than two outs, and I, there's a pretty good shot he's not scoring, and I'll bet this every time. It's funny to watch. But my, one of my biggest pet peeves is, is, and I've watched this all the time, Hitters get 3-0. I think when you swing 3-0, it's the most selfish thing in the world to me because my back's already against the wall, especially if there's somebody on base, no outs. I got the pressure of having to throw a few strikes in a row. I got guys on. 3-0 swing and selfish. I love watching these guys swing 3-0 and miss. I think that is the most selfish thing you've ever done. And not only are you taking a hack 3-0, but you missed. You didn't even get a pitch that you can hit. You missed it. You should never be allowed to be allowed to hit ever again, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I've watched a ton of that bats over the last few years, you know, working on television and seeing guys get beat by 92 mile an hour four seamers down the middle and hitting counts. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what are you guys looking for? Are, Man, you, guys, I, are you looking I, for off speed stuff? Well, I mean, how do you get beat with 92 four seamen right down the middle? It doesn't make any sense.
1: The other day, the Cubs were facing the Reds. Harvey was pitching, and uh, the shortstop. Um, Help me with his name, black kid from from Florida, um, Russell. Russell was up first and third, one out, 3-1 count, and he gets a four-seamer right down the middle and got beat and hit into a double play. And I'm thinking to myself, how did you get – I mean, he didn't even hit it hard. I was like, how did you get beat knowing you were getting a fastball on that count? I understand sometimes that happens. That's not a, as bad of an example. But, you know, you're in a hitter's count, and, and, and you're looking to drive a pitch, but yet you guys are swinging at balls out of the zone all the time with no – once again, there's no fear of striking out. No one cares anymore.
0: No, it's paralysis by analysis. I guarantee they're listening to some stat sheet, some stat geek tell yes. them, well, this guy, you know, 55% of the time throws a breaking ball in this 3 1 count.
1: That's a good way to put it.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah exactly. Paralysis by analysis. Yeah, really they're overthinking it. it. I mean, are you kidding me? How many guys in the game really have Oppo pop? So, so,
1: so let's go back to Let's go back you to that. Because we had – we have, there should be a lot of them, actually, if you stay inside the ball. We have uh, Frazier the other day. Dodgers are playing Mets. Frazier's up. We got – Bellinger misplays the ball in center field as bad as you can for a triple, right? Dodgers are up 3-2 to two, uh, DeGrom versus Kershaw. Dodgers are up 3-2. to two, One out. Gift triple. Bellinger messes it up. Frazier comes up. Ferguson's pitching at this point. He throws three four-seamers right down the middle, and Frazier takes all three looking for strike three. And all I can think about – was what in the hell were you looking for? Obviously breaking ball, but what were you looking for to where you took three four-seamers right down the middle, didn't even swing. Now I got my guy on third base with two outs. Obviously the next guy gets out. And in my head, all I'm going back to is Frank Catalonata going, this guy doesn't throw hard enough, and his changeup's not slow enough to get me off. So I'm going to hit his fastball. In the opposite field gap, I'm going to hit his changeup. In the pull side gap, that way I'm middling both pitches. But this dude takes three four-seamers down the middle, and they end up getting routed the next inning. And I'm just thinking to myself, what is going on here?
0: They're all guessing. I I don't know if you know, but they're all guessing. Everybody's a guess hitter now. You used to have – when you and I were pitching and catching together, there would be times when we would watch Manny Ramirez take a fastball down the middle. Yes. He would walk off the field. But Manny Ramirez was brilliant. Everybody thought he was stupid. But the guy was insanely intelligent, and I talked to him about it. I said, look, what do you study? He goes, I don't, know. I don't care about the starting pitcher. He goes, I want to know who that nasty fucking right-hander is that they're going to bring in in the seventh inning when, <laughs> with runners at second and third and Poppy on deck. Who am I facing in that situation? And he would know everything there is to know about that guy. And he'd be sitting on a pitch the entire game because he thought, no. okay, this is what I'm looking for. And if he yeah. didn't get it, he didn't care. But if you screwed up and he made an adjustment, he'd tong you. It would be no, it'd he, be out of the yard. But he he did he he was a smart guy. These guys are idiots. They don't know what it they're was looking a, for.
1: He was a tip of the cap, dude. That's exactly. You watch him strike out looking and he drag his bat back to the dugout people are like, Man, he doesn't care. And it's like, no, he cares more than anybody. Look at his stats. Dude, that's exactly what he was setting you up all the time. And he was taking away your strengths to your weaknesses and vice versa with his. And if he was sitting in, you couldn't miss middle end because you are never getting the ball back. Or if he was sitting away, but he would tip your cap to, all right, you got me this one time, but you never got him more than once anyways. People don't understand, man. He was a genius when it came to hitting.
0: Yeah, no, a total genius. And I, I look at him and I watch the way he approached his at-bats, um, you know, when he was hot it didn't matter where you threw it he could he, he could you, you could roll it up there and he'd find a way to you know throw it in the gap or hit it out of the ballpark especially with guys on base and i and i just it just seems to me like the focus is somewhere else like manny's manny's swing mechanics were were on lock the guy had the guy had it there so he could basically go up there and look for a pitch because he knew he was going to get pitched atypically. You weren't going to just like, okay, fastballs down and away to Manny, and then if you could try to get him out there, you know, maybe run one up inside on him and then back down and away with a slider. He he had to be pitched atypically. Same with Poppy, all the elite guys. I mean, who in their right mind back in the day would throw a changeup to a right-handed hitter? Well, we had to in certain situations. We had to throw front door change-ups to A-Rod, to mm-hmm. Jeter. Um, but their focus, pitching-wise, is just, it's it's all over the place. The hitters are focused on guessing all the time. I mean, how many times have we seen in the last few years guys with runners in the score position? It's like just the same story you're talking about with Frazier. Runners out there, ducks on the damn pond, and they're taking cock shots right down the middle.
1: I, I Once again, I, from, from a betting perspective, I bet a lot. I have no fear. And I don't have much confidence in the guy I'm betting on as well. When there's a runner at third base and one out, I have no fear, no fear that they're going to score when I'm betting against them because I know that the reality is they're not. And it's crazy. And listen, I understand being on our show and being on this show, I talk like I know everything. And you look at my stats and they weren't very good. I had some really bad years mixed in with a couple good years. But I've had so much time to learn this game. And I've stayed involved in this game uh, ever since I got out that now I can break it down a whole nother level. I feel like I can teach it so much better too, just based on some of the stuff that we're talking about. Because the reality is, is you can get a little bit lost sometimes. You, You can't, you don't get to sit and watch every game like you and I do now. You don't get to do that. So you can get a little bit lost at times playing the game. But that's where these coaches need to come into play a little bit more, in my opinion, man. And I just don't see it enough. I see about maybe a handful of managers that I'm actually a huge fan of that I think do a really good job. Um, the, I, the pitching coaches, there's only a couple as well That I think do a really good job It's just crazy But when you actually sit down Use the airplane time Use the clubhouse time, man Do the opposite of what I did Stay in at night And actually take the iPads to your room mm-hmm. Dude, The beautiful thing now today, you guys Is I can watch everything from my phone Everywhere I go yep. I can see everything mm-hmm. And so now I have so much information That how do you not use this to your advantage And I, I laugh when you get guys like Archer and guys like Strowman, your favorite dude, they're so caught up in social media, they forget they actually have a job to play. It's like, why don't you get off social media and actually focus on your job? You might actually be good.
0: Well, now knowing what you know, if you were running a team, what would you ask them to focus on from a pitching standpoint?
1: Downhill playing and change-ups. And our throwing program becomes the most important thing, you know, in between our starts. And uh, obviously relieving and starting are two completely different things. They're not mm-hmm. even the same game. Yeah. But downhill playing allows me to bottom-out ball, so I'm going to miss the middle of the bat. Um, Change-ups keeps hitters honest. You can see spin, height, but you can't recognize speed, so it keeps you honest a little bit. Those are very simple things. I I, I live with everybody I work with, whether they're amateur kids here or all the professional kids that I get my hands on during the offseason. We, we take the Roy Holiday approach, man, and this is the greatest approach in the history of the game, and it'll never change. You don't have nothing coming back to the middle of the plate. Arm side sinkers, glove-side four-seamers, in essence, if I'm getting extended, then it turns into a baby cutter, everything's running off the plate. So there's never going back to your barrel. We can simplify the game of baseball. We can simplify pitching to, to create a lot more success, but sometimes we just, you know, we overthink it. It's, it's crazy, but there, there are some things that I would do, man. I think about it all the time. Cause I want to coach again.
0: Yeah. I know. I know if it was me, Josh at the lower levels, uh, it would be mandated. You have to earn the right to throw a breaking ball in a ball. Oh my God. Yeah, I would. It would be nothing but fastball and changeup command for the first half of the season. In fact, I want everybody in the league to know because I want my kids to understand that they're going out there with two weapons. Um, if they want to turn their fastball into multiple weapons and be able to cut it a little bit, be able to yeah. sink it a little bit, but locate it all four, all four corners of, of the strike zone, all quadrant, and then mix in a change-up. Hey, good God, could you imagine being able to command a change-up too? I can throw it to one side of the plate or the other. And uh, th- you're going out there with with the idea that I want to earn my way to throwing a doggone breaking ball. And you're not hey. and if you don't command your fastball and your changeup at a certain level, you still haven't earned it. I'll let you know when you're allowed to throw your breaking ball. You,
1: you said something that, that some people are looking at listen and go, What the hell did you he say? What do you mean throw your fastball to all four corners? That's you I mean you can actually do that? You can your fastball can actually be more than <laughs> one pitch. Are you crazy? Listen, the Mets throwing program with Ron Romanic, who's their pitching coordinator, he's taking a break right now because he's had some back surgery, so he's at home. But why are Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Seth Lugo, Robert Gisselman, why are these guys so good, Stephen Matts? Because that's his throwing program is based on change-up first. And when you're coming in at 80 feet, now you have to crow-hop your change-ups at 80 feet until you work back down to flat ground, and then you add your breaking ball last. These guys are change-up first, which also helps with your arm strength, hence the velocity, and they're all dominating. And we have – I say we. They have Mets farmhands all over Major League Baseball because of the trades. Um, look at my man in, uh, well, we got Goodell in L.A., we got Bradford in Seattle, we have um, a couple guys in St. Louis. What, I'm, why am I drawing a blank on the number one starter for the Tigers? Why am I blanking on him
0: right now? Oh, the, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, the big right-handed kid, the dark-headed Caleb. Why, he was a yeah, first-round. You got me having a brain cramp, too. It's contagious, even over the radio.
1: Hey, that dude saved my life one day, by the way. Fulmer. I'm not even kidding. Former, Yeah, former. Yeah, he's also a first-round pick on the Mets that came up in the same era with all these guys. They just happened to trade him for well, maybe Cespedes or somebody. But they're all over big leagues. Why are they so good? Because they're change-up first guys. And then they mix in these nasty-ass off-speed pitches, uh, these breaking balls and curveballs after the fact, and you don't know where to sit. Where are you going to sit? Well, guess what? Go back to sitting fastball and adjust. It's the only thing you have a chance on.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. And you touched on something that probably people didn't really even like register. Crow hopping and throwing a changeup. You want to develop yeah. some great arm speed on your changeup, play long toss with it. Crow hop and throw a changeup. I said it. You said it. People might think, oh, that's just crazy. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's advanced. But if you really want to get great arm speed on a changeup, you crow hop and you throw that with your changeup grip. And I'm talking throw it as hard as you can. That's how you get it.
1: Use your legs.
0: Stop taking your legs out of it. Use your legs. Let that thing – and you're right,
1: same arm speed. It's got to be fastball arm speed. So now it rolls off into my ring finger area. So now it gets from my strong fingers to my weak fingers. Hence, there's the off speed. There's the changeup. And throw that bad boy, and you're going to be unbelievably impressed by how much success you have?
0: Yeah, every pitch is supposed to start off as a four seam fastball. Yes, and the yeah. grip, the grip makes it change. Right, you're you're, you're slightly off center with your fingers. Uh, you're slightly, you know, you're, you're twisting your wrist. But the mentality is, ninety percent of the way, it is a four seam fastball. I am Looks throwing like the, one, yeah. absolutely. I'm throwing the mm-hmm. crap out of this pitch, and then all of a sudden, it, it it changes its identity to you once it gets to the hitting area. And you know that to me is why Greg Maddox was so had the ability. And, and and you brought up Roy Halliday. You're right. Early on, especially when I was catching him, he refused yep. to throw the arm side cutter. He refused to throw the glove side sinker. He started doing it later. In
1: at the end, yeah, a little okay.
0: bit, a, a little but, bit with me, a little bit with me. In in '08, he started doing it a little bit with me. But the reason,
1: the reason he had to do that towards the end. Is because he's already faced everybody five hundred times. Yeah. So now he had to get creative, and, and in essence, oh, yeah. it was developing a new pitch. Yeah, but no, he knew how to throw. But he knew how to throw strikes. Once, once he brought that into play, he had control. He didn't try to do that before he had control.
0: No, he had he had command. And, I mean, that's 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 the thing we keep coming back to. It's it's the ability. The first thing you got to work on is your ability to command the baseball, and it starts with the four seamer, in my opinion. I'm yes. 100%. I don't care what I don't care what arm slot it is. It starts with the four seam fastball because let's let's face it that's the most um, that is the most uh, uh, controllable grip, um, and you want to make sure that you have that command. Now I'm a big fan of changing your sights, not changing the gun barrel. I just want to make adjustments with my eyes. Yes, um, yeah. and you that's see a lot time. of guys you see a lot of guys do do that. They try to adjust their mechanics in order to make the ball move or you know, switch it from one side of the plate. Um, and it's just an eye adjustment, not anything else. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on moving, moving your eyes versus your, uh, your mechanics to, to, to make the ball? So, for instance, you're throwing a fastball, yeah. arm side, you want to go glove side. No,
1: no, I, I actually think that you're right on. I probably think that's the most correct thing. And, and first off, to go back to the point before that, what in life can you do that you're out of control in and have still have success? And there's probably not many things. So if I can't control throwing the baseball, if I can't control swinging the baseball bat, then how am I going to have success? We don't do things out of control and find success in life. And it's the same thing. If I I throw as hard as I can, it means absolutely nothing if I can't control what I'm trying to do. I think Zani's sight is the most important thing. My mechanics need to be, they need to be repeated every time in order for me to have success. My arm's got to get out to, it feels like an extended position in essence, uh, out in front of me it's not really but that's what it feels like to us it has to get out i gotta stay closed i gotta separate before i go home i gotta get my chest out over my flex front knee so my arms next to my head so i'm getting in an extended position to be able to Oops.
0: what just happened there i don't know it looks like we had a little bit of a technical Hello? Uh, technical glitch you is you he still right there? There? there he is yeah, yeah. what uh, happened i don't know that <laughs> sound, it sounded like our computer system had a bowel movement <laughs>
1: I only had it for about two seconds on my end. You heard it too? <laughs>
0: <laughs> barely, barely. That's awesome. I swear to God, my house is haunted. Either that or we, like I oh, said, that is so our, creepy. Uh, our technical devices just had a, a serious bowel movement. Continue on. You were talking about the progression <laughs> yeah, no, of your I, pitching mechanics.
1: Well, I was just saying, yes, yeah, so, so the mechanics always got to be the same, whatever it is, to get us to the right, right release point, in essence, or extended position. But Oral Hershizer always said it the best. He said, if I threw 110 pitches in a game, I really threw 220. Because I visualized everything I did before I did it. And that's the one thing that I think doesn't happen enough in this game. I want to see what I'm doing before I do it. Anything that I have already done, I'm probably going to be a little bit more comfortable and better at the second time around. Go play golf and hit a second shot or putt a second time and see what happens. Oh, yeah. So when you visualize what you're going to do, you set your sights and then you follow your eyes to your target. You're going to be a lot better. And it goes back to like what I do to you or whoever else I threw it to. I didn't care if hitters give away location. I did not care because I truly believed that if I located, I was going to have more success than the hitter, even though he knew where I was going to throw it. So I always wanted you catchers to get to give me the sign and get to where you want me to throw the ball immediately so I can see it and take myself there. Catchers that popped up or moved as I was going, I was dead because I had no idea how to take my eye. I didn't know where you were going to finish. I couldn't throw to an empty space of air between your legs or whatnot. So I needed you guys to get down as early as possible so that I can see the R in your glove or the S in your glove or whatever it is that I was really trying to take myself to to have success.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, let's look at the Braves pitching staff from the 90s. Those guys got out oh. there really, really early. And it didn't matter whether you knew what side of the plate it was, was going to. They executed. And it's funny to me, I talked about, I talked about the shifts – in baseball, the Braves didn't need to shift. They just pitched you right into their defense. They didn't miss. Yeah. If they missed, they missed off the plate where you couldn't get to it. They if, if Maddox thought he was getting you out of way, he was out there away and you hit it and you might you might square it up and hit a line drive. But chances are most of their hitters or their, their fielders were standing right over there. And even if you did get a lousy base hit to the other opposite field, it didn't matter because he'd just roll up a double play the next guy or strike somebody out. It was there was never a panic. He was always one pitch away from getting out of the inning. And you know what? It seemed to me like every pitch he threw looked the same. So for instance, his yes. fastball looked like his his changeup. His 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 fastball started off looking uh, like one thing and then it, it then oops it was the slider but it, that started off looking like the fastball so it was all kind of predicated off of one speed one spin and then there were adjustments made by him can you imagine if they shifted
1: back in the 90s glavin and and maddox would have had their they would do they would have had their ass if they shifted on them are you crazy oh my dude there they,
0: would, have they been, would there, you, there would be nine what? guys standing around the ball in fact they probably would have been fighting over the ball
1: I mean I I can't even imagine I'll tell you what I'll I'll put this out there I know this is going to happen one day man like you know we retired Jackie Robinson's jersey so there's Jackie Robinson day there's certain people that just impacted the game in a certain way and we're going to see this maybe in the Hall of Fame I don't know where but Greg Maddox's quote where he said I can throw harder but why I would rather locate one of these days that's going to be a staple in every clubhouse in baseball all over that's going to be the motto for pitching because if it doesn't get any more correct than that comment.
0: No, it absolutely doesn't. And, uh, you know, I, I, you're, in the, you're in the mortgage business. Well, real estate, same thing. It's always about location, location, location. Oh, yeah. You know, I get it. You need a certain amount of velocity, but speak to how much fun it would have been for you to pitch with the ability to command the baseball and an arm like Jacob DeGrom's or Noah Syndergaard's. Can you imagine how much fun that would have been like?
1: I've always told people, man, if I was able to throw 97 consistently, I would have... I talked a lot of shit. Oh, my God. You have no <laughs> idea how much shit I would <laughs> I would have ran my mouth so much if I could throw 97, 98 every pitch. Do you think the changeup should have the same spin as your heater? It depends. I, I wanted my changeup to, to mimic my two-seamer a lot, yeah. I mean, but what's the difference if I have a split finger? It's completely different rotation than my fastballs the other way. Yeah. But yet, yeah, we still get swings and misses. So... Yeah, like Sean Markham used to play for the Jays. He had a four-seamer and a two-seam changeup, so he would mimic both of his fastballs with it. Uh, I liked my – I kind of offset my changeup as as if it was my two-seam fastball to try to get the same. But it doesn't matter. The reality is – it, hitters have to decide about halfway whether they're going to swing or not so I need the ball yeah. in the strike zone halfway to home plate there's only two guys I think in history that can ever go past that and that was Manny and Barry Bonds they were they yeah. were just exceptional so I just needed you to think it was a strike just slightly past halfway yeah. and then at that point I just needed to leave the strike zone and I'll have success
0: what uh, what were the kind of hitters that gave you the most trouble when you were during your career uh,
1: Catalanato, Bernie Williams, guys like that—guys that that foul pitches off. They were willing to foul pitches off and stay alive because they knew eventually I would make a mistake. And I, you know, eight, seven, six, eight, nine pitches later, you made a mistake. There's no question about it. Yeah.
0: Do you see any guys in it. the game that uh, that remind you of those two hitters? Guys that are willing to just foul pitches off and be pests? No, no. I,
1: I, that's what's crazy is I don't. I don't see too many uh hitters at all that are willing to there's very few like not even Altuve you know uh, the best hitter in the game obviously the last five years he doesn't really do it he just doesn't miss I mean he has probably the best hand-eye coordination there is Mookie Betts is impressive I like Gene Segura I I think this is a guy that that he's willing to do that almost there's guys like him uh you, you know Freddie Freeman as great as he is he still doesn't do that enough but no there's not I'm looking at a list right now, too. There's not too many guys in the game that are willing to do that. Joey Votto might be the the, the, the biggest one that I think he, he might be a really tough play.
0: Yeah, I think, well, Joey's got that that crazy combination of power and the ability to hit for average, great hand-eye coordination. Yeah. He, he, he you know who, feels like he can you know flick the barrel. You know who fouls pitches off
1: that kind of bothers me a little bit is Rizzo. He actually does <laughs> oh, it, too. Anthony. But yeah. he doesn't hit for average that much because he starts off so slow every year.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that, that that has to have something to do with the cold weather there in Chicago. I, I don't I, think well, I could have done it, I think it has no batting gloves.
1: It has everything to do with he thinks the season's too long and he just doesn't want to be there all year. So I told him, man, like, go home then. Somebody else will take that job.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, seriously, these guys, I I, I, I was laughing at some of the comments. I mean, first of all they negotiated a dog shit collective bargaining agreement and now they're all pissed off about about how it went for them free agent wise i mean mustakis hit 38 bombs in a pitchers ballpark, and he couldn't get a freaking job <laughs> and he's never hit above 250 i don't think come what on a, man what a joke like he, but you the point is is he still had all that power and he didn't he couldn't get a job you know and they're like oh well the free agent market this and the free agent market that i'm like you sissy boys were like all worried about negotiating for extra days off are you kidding me like, yeah, the the only I, dude who's I love the long season.
1: Co- the only dude has earned his contract in the last how many years is Max Scherzer. He's yeah. the only one. Yeah, you want me to continue to give you twenty five, thirty million dollars a year? You can't pitch past
0: six innings. You can't hit above two sixty. Come on. Yeah, it's it's getting kind of ridiculous. To l- listen to these guys, you know, bitch and moan, and, and meanwhile, and, and and I think baseball ownership and I think the front office guys are starting to they're starting to get a feel for it. You know. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of Josh Donaldson's, but I, I got a feeling this guy is getting he's not, not getting paid. He's, he's been he, hurt too much the last couple of years. He's going to be what they would consider a very old first-time free agent, and he's not putting up any numbers right now. Bro, he cost himself $100 million.
1: Oh, my God. And I'll tell you what, I started to really pay attention the day I saw him in Las Vegas on a Saturday night during spring training, front row and in the octagon, Of the Woodley-Thompson fight, because Thompson, I guess, is his buddy, and he thought he was going to win. He was going to put the belt on him. He didn't get the win. I was like, wait a minute. What is this dude doing here? They got a game tomorrow. I recognize he's dinged up, and he's probably not playing. But you're on the other side of the country when you should be in spring training getting ready for the season, and you're in Vegas at a fight. I've paid attention ever since then, and the guy's been hurt and has been terrible ever since. Do you think he's just not taking it seriously then? No. God, no. Sometimes we get so good that we think that we just got this – Adam Jones. We think that we just got this, and it's always going to be there. And it goes by us so fast because there actually is other people working to prove that they are better than us, and they're going to take our jobs. And I think that this dude just sat back and goes, "No, nah, I'm good." Yeah, he cost himself 100
0: million, no question. Yeah, and then they, and then you flip the script, and you you see a guy like you know Mr. Plain Rap, uh Mike Trout, the best player in the game, who never oh, pimps anything. Doesn't he? Just he just he just hits bombs and steals bags and, and robs homers. Dude,
1: he's <laughs> – Donaldson's got five homers and 16 RBIs this year. Um, trout's got more of everything. He's got 16 doubles. He almost has 16 triples. Jesus. Um, trouts he's unbelievable. And all the guy does is want to play the game. He wants to work hard like Nolan Arenado. He wants to be great on defense for his pitchers. And it always – whenever you care about your defense, man, it makes you a better hitter. It's just you have more pride. You can't say enough good things about Trout and what he's done. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. I still think Josh is going to make a comeback. They, they're talking about him being uh, a, a week away from coming back. You know, he, he's going to definitely have something to prove. Uh, he because, has to play every game the rest well, of the yeah, year. Well, no doubt. I, well, he, how do you not trade him uh, when he comes back? I mean, I, 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 I argued that the Jays should have traded him in the offseason and that they were more worried about the attendance numbers than they were about doing what was right for the club. Um, your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, well, I'm looking at the roster for the Jays and there's nobody that's going to make me come to the game.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like
1: uh, Martin got his contract. He's back home. He don't care. He's not playing. Um, you got a lot of guys. Pilar's taking a step backwards. Yeah. Um, you know, Smoke, you know, I, I like him, but he's not having the best year. You got some young kids that we don't know yet. So young kids don't really put butts in seats. I mean, yeah, I, I can definitely see the Jays taking that approach. Who's who's really the draw? And and they're in a division where they have no chance of making the playoffs. Uh, it's tough for them. I well, mean, that, they do need a Donaldson in the lineup.
0: Yeah, that was my argument. I say, you, you know what, you, you led the league in attendance because you made the playoffs back-to-back years after a 20-year drought. And mm-hmm. all those tickets were sold, in my opinion. I'm, it's a guess, but I'm guessing the bulk of those tickets were, were sold preseason. And the fact that they... Uh, were you know, weren't mathematically eliminated. I think there were some naive people out there that thought they actually had a chance to leapfrog seven clubs, even though I was telling them all summer long, okay gang, you might want to like get real here. You're not you're not gonna leapfrog seven teams. Like you're gonna you might be able to leapfrog one or two, but not seven. And No. And it, it and, just... and they didn't and they never made it to five hundred last year. So why in the world would you be worried about the fan base and and the attendance numbers when your best chance to get a couple of young athletic studs is your third baseman who is going to walk via free agency anyways. Why not, why not deal that guy? In fact, I said anybody not named Stroman Osuna. Well, before he got in trouble, Stroman Osuna Sanchez, anybody not named those three guys that could get you younger and more athletic and more versatile. Kick him to the curb. Trade him. I would have traded – I told everybody to trade Devin Travis before the season started. Nobody listened
1: to me. I saw that coming two years ago. I mean, they were so high on that kid, and I have never been impressed, and he's not doing anything. And, you know, he goes back to, like, Ryan Roberts and stuff, who uh, I love the dude, but, you know, shorter guys that thought they were power hitters, and they don't use all their assets. And, you know, Travis got sent down, obviously, last year, and it just – It's crazy how we put stock in these guys and we kind of miss, and that's what they do for a living. There's just – their development for their minor league system hasn't been good over the years, so obviously that needs adjustment. they they got to pay to bring free agents in, but they've proven that they can do that. And you just said it. The fan base will show up if you put a team out there they feel they can win with. Yeah. So let's not talk about money because the money's right there waiting to give you, waiting to come in the doors, give them a reason to.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean – I was here in Toronto, in Canada, the two years they go to the playoffs, and you couldn't walk down any street anywhere without seeing Blue Jays paraphernalia. They were on that bandwagon Mm hardcore. And rightfully so. There's only one team in the entire country. Exactly.
1: I, I was locked in from home. I thought it was great. I was stoked that they were in the playoffs, man. It was awesome. You know, you it, the games were exciting. They're giving them an opportunity. There's people sitting in seats that I never even knew existed in Toronto. It was cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look at I I, I don't I'm not necessarily impressed with uh, batting average. I, I mean, I think I think a lot of people got enamored with Travis's batting average. You know, in the on the rare occasion that he was healthy enough to play, because he his first couple years in the, it, as a J, yeah, he put up some decent offensive numbers, but. He wasn't healthy enough to play. Now that you know, then he comes out of the gate and he's he's there every day, um, and who knows why the funk. But he wasn't uh, he wasn't the same hitter, and, and he, he's an average defender up the middle at best, and has struggles with turning a double play. And so I'm looking at him like this: he's a great kid. There's no doubt about it. You listen to the guy talk; he's a smart kid. He's he's a humble humble kid in, in in public. Don't know him very well in personal. but I like what I see from him publicly, and yep. so I, I want to root for him. But when when I'm putting together a ball club, I'm, I need my first first thing is I need studs at second short and center field guys that are defensive wizards. I'd love to have a defensive wizard behind the dish, but I'm not so worried about whether the guy can throw or not. Call me a good ball game. Keep the ball in front of you and hit me hit me some bombs. That's what I yeah, want can, out of my kit. keep
1: runs. I don't care how many you drive in, just keep them off the board.
0: Yeah, keep them off board. So and and. You and I both know a guy that that can put the right fingers down and catch the baseball, keep and control the baseball, um, is is worth his weight in goal because you you actually impact more more of the game with your game calling and your receiving and your ball blocking than you do with throwing runners out well, or or even offensively because you, you you're, that, you're you're, you're going to impact a hundred plus pitches a night for you. Well, your that's play. what I say.
1: Let's let let's talk about that for a second because. I
0: actually don't need a catcher who can throw
1: somebody out because if the pitchers actually do their job, they'll hold the runners close and give them an opportunity regardless. I mean, y'all are major league catchers for a reason. You don't have to have the greatest arm in the big leagues. It's pitchers jobs to hold the runner. So you guys need to be able to call games and block. Like you said, I mean, it gets lost too. I I always get scared when I see catchers that hit over 300 because immediately I think, well, (laughs) shit, they can't be good behind the plate.
0: Yeah. Those are, those are a rare, a rare commodity. I mean, you know, there's there's really only one guy right now that comes to mind and that would have been Buster Posey, but I would have thought Muto. Yeah, he's pretty solid and then and, you know, well, before Yadi got hurt, Yadi was was starting to become a better offensive player than when he was young, but he's always had the defense. You just yep. you impact so many pitches for your team behind the dish. To me that has to come first. Uh I think a lot of people have uh reprioritized um things uh to the point where uh, you know, it's, 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 it, they've lost their way. If you don't, if your second baseman can't turn a double play, he better drive in a ton of runs. Cause you think about how many runs are saved by turning double plays. Hey, hey, hey. you said something that
1: sparked it. You know, my favorite thing, Chris Bryant did it recently, is they shift and no one covers third base because they haven't gone over this in spring training or talked about coverages. They just follow everybody. Oh, that team shifts. So we better shift. So you shift. Chris Bryant's on first. Next thing you know, he takes off the third because there's nobody there. Now you have gifted him two bases because you shifted, and it absolutely backfired. I love how people follow without actually leading and understanding what they're doing. It's my favorite thing.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, it is actually quite amazing to me um, how people don't look at a base as a quarter of a run, and and I've argued for years that if you're if you're trying to teach. Uh, control the running game at the big league level. You, you're a, a, a long. You're way late. You got to start teaching kids at the lower levels how to be quicker to the plate. And I'm not talking about one flat. We're not talking about lightning speed. No, we're talking that's... about be able to vary your moves. Be one three or better. One three five or better. Mix it up. Mix up your looks. Oh, and hey, by the way, you might want to learn how to use you know a set of signs that not everybody can figure out in five seconds. <laughs> uh, these are all things that should be taught at the minor league level. But again, here we go back to it. What are they drafting? I want him six, four. I want him to be able to throw 95 yeah. plus make the ball move. Okay. Is he, does he have half a brain in his head? Does, is he, or did he just hit the genetic lottery? Does he look good in a uniform and you're going to give him a $3 million signing bonus and try to turn him into a baseball player? What, what, Dude, is, got- what exactly is going on here?
1: It, no, it, it's both. I got two stories for you. So we had old Cincinnati Reds bench coach, their base coach Mark Berry on our show the other day. Mark's retired now. And we talked to him about this and he brought up a good point, which I thought about, but I hadn't really talked about. Back in the day and not too long ago, You had to get X amount of innings in essence before you got to the big leagues on the mound. You had to get X amount of at-bats before you got to the big leagues as a hitter because you needed to see situations. You needed to slump. You needed to understand the game of baseball, move guys over, drive them in, all the different things. I needed to see different situations. I needed my innings to develop. Nowadays, we're just running them to the big leagues because they're first-round picks, because they're top prospects, because of money we are putting 19-year-olds in the big leagues now, 20-year-olds. They're not developing anymore. And like you said, now I'm getting to the major leagues, and I'm trying to develop. I'm trying to learn how to control the running game in the major leagues. I'm trying to learn how to throw strikes in the major leagues. Are you out of your mind? You're never going to have success doing that. In 2013, I tell this story a lot. We had a kid with the Mets. I was coaching down in extended, and he threw 99-100 every single pitch, no matter what. It was nasty. Good splitty, good slider. And I would sit in the bullpen with no gear, just my glove, and I would catch him all the time. Couldn't get him through one inning in three months. Not one time did he finish one complete inning in three months. He would paint a pitch, throw it off the backstop, (laughs) drill two dudes, throw a strike, (laughs) throw it off the backstop every single time. I remember Dick Scott would come and be like, Josh, get him out of the game. And I'm like, trust me, man, I'm two steps ahead of you. Um, And then because I needed him to get his pitches in, he and I would go to the bullpen and they'd be like, you're crazy catching them. And I'd be like, watch. And I would sit down there, and he wouldn't miss my glove for 30 pitches in a row. Bap, 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 bap. It's mental. But that's the point. They would give you guys plus arms, but they had no idea how to throw strikes. What do you want me to do with this? And I know they always say, we'll teach them how. But they're rushing those guys to the big leagues, and it's not a good thing. You got guys from Florida who just flat out can't fly in the strike zone, and it's like, what? They got that guy the Mets just traded for, came out of Double A. can't think of his last name, he has no idea how to throw strikes. But yet he throws ninety eight miles per hour. They can't develop him in the big leagues, man.
0: No, it's 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 insane.
1: I mean, Zonny, you've been saying the same shit. <laughs> I mean
0: Josh, how many innings should a pitcher get?
1: I I don't I really don't know an exact number. Mm-hmm. Um I'm trying to think, man. I mean, so if we get about a hundred and thirty, hundred and forty an in inning. I mean times five
0: uh, times one season at
1: every level. Yeah, that's the thing too. Um like, I played one season at every level, and I thought that was beautiful. You learn how to start a season, and you learn how to finish a season. You learn how to yeah. do all the things. You learn how to be a teammate. You learn how – dude, I've seen you shower enough times. Like, I'm sick of seeing you. How do I still want to be your friend and show up in the field and play with you every day when I've seen you? You know what I'm saying? Like, you learn yeah. all these things, and then you start to move up. Every year you move up, and you're moving up with other guys, and the guys you used to think were good, now you're going, shit. Maybe my offseason was better. Maybe I did work harder because I'm much better than this guy now. And you start to learn more things about the game. Yeah. And you progress to each level. I think that's very, very important. So, if you ballpark – I would say ballpark a number would be five innings. 500 would probably be the minimum. Yeah. yeah
0: I've been saying the same thing. Yeah, you have. I, I think that – and the reason why that they don't, you don't see the guys put in a full year at AA or AAA when they're a prospect anymore – it's because all the other good players, the prospects, are in the show. Every organization is afraid for that $3 million signing bonus baby to blow out his elbow in the minor leagues. Well, dude, hey, every, everybody's getting Tommy John anyway, so what are you worried about? They're,
1: they're drafting him. They're, I mean, look at Hoffman. Look at Fetty. They're drafting him with Tommy John. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's, it, there's no fear anymore. So my son asked me the other day about a month ago, maybe not a month ago, he said, why don't the Jays call up Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Oh, the big Bichette. question. Here we go. And I said, <laughs> well, because they're in double-A and they still need to develop, Ryan. Yes. Because they're not ready for the big leagues yet. That's why. They're not even close to the big leagues. They let them develop. But there's so much hype with social media about these two kids, especially Vladdy Jr., mm-hmm. that everybody just assumes they're good. Now, maybe they are where they're at. They're not big league ready yet. So maybe they had plenty. a couple of games in preseason. They, they're in double-A for a reason. they got to develop. You don't rush these kids. Remember Matt Riley? Oh, yeah. The Orioles rushed Matt Riley to the big leagues because he got so much pressure from him and his aging, and he didn't run all year. He was in the worst shape because they wouldn't let him run because of his back. He gets to the big leagues. His 97 was 89-91. He gets turned around by the Twins. Tromley goes, this is your big prospect? And Matt never developed. They rushed him so fast, it was the worst thing ever for his career.
0: That could definitely happen with Vlad. and. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I look at it this way. There's so many different things that you learn during the course of a, of a season. I mean, just like you said, you, you learn how to be a teammate. You learn how to go to start a season, to finish a season. But if you take these kids and they go and they show you a good month in A ball, and then you send them to AA and they show you a good month there. And then, oh, you, you run them up to AAA and, and, they, and they show you a good month there. And the next thing you know, they're in the show at what point did you allow them to slump. To, to slump or face Never. the same group of pitchers that they faced in the month that they were there give uh, my thing is this i want to give the opportunity the opportunity to the teams that are that they're playing against to kick their teeth in i want them to be able to make an adjustment so that i can judge whether or not this kid can adjust back and that's just how you learn yeah exactly you have to go through it you have to okay you're you're absolutely right. You have
1: to. You have to learn how to get back up when you fail. Yeah. You have to learn how to fail and how to rebound and respond from it. Exactly. And they're not. We're skipping those stages. People are like, "What do you mean? If I start a season, the 2018 season, I start it and I finish it. Doesn't matter if I start in A ball and finish it in Double A. Yeah, it does matter. Mm-hmm. It matters tremendously because you're not starting it with the same group of guys. You're not finishing it in the same city to where you're tired, you're worn out. You've been to the same restaurants. You've seen the same faces. You've seen Signed four thousand autographs for that one fan who has season tickets mm-hmm. right there. Because when I go to Double A. It's a whole new like, oh, this is exciting. They might be halfway through the season, but this is day one to me. So yeah. this is exciting, and it's not the same thing. You need to learn how to start and finish, man. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a, really, a struggle. Really good
0: point. Uh, yeah, it, it's a marathon. We've been talking about it, you know, on the program T and I with different people. You you. you you, you got to give these kids a chance to fall flat on their face. If they don't, great. But what's the hurry? They're 19, 20 years old, so what if they put a full season in at every level? At least you know mm-hmm. that they're legit because everybody got their crack at them. And I want people to get their crack at Vladdy Jr. Because to me, if you're 19 years old and you're, you're tweaking hamstrings and pulling quads and yeah. groins, there's a major problem with your fitness level. Because I don't know about you, Josh, and you know, I wasn't a world-class sprinter, but... Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you remember when we were 19 people tweaking hamstrings and quads? I don't remember people pulling muscles and and having soft tissue damage.
1: No, well, that's what bothers me about Michael Conforto with the Mets. I'm like, this dude just came out of uh, college and he's hurt every day. I'm like, this isn't even a dude I want on my team no matter how talented he is with the sick. Yeah. The guy can't. I say, how does a kid this young get hurt this much? It's crazy. Stay in the game. It's, it's, how does that happen? Your kids, you shouldn't be hurt. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: they should be built like Gumby, and I don't. And 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 then we go in and, and open up a whole another another argument with all this, you know, high performance training and these specialty oh. diets and all this other stuff. If they're so smart, if they're so right about this, why are these kids hurt so much these days? Dude, that's a whole another conversation. That's a whole another show. Yeah, that's another hour talk- hour of work for us.
1: That's another 10 hours of work. I can go on that forever because that's exactly right. Like you guys are all these dudes that are pro fitness, which I'm okay. I'm definitely pro fitness. There's no question about it. I love working out and I definitely understand the relationship between you better be in shape to do your job. But I also want somebody who has actually played the game of baseball to be able to teach me fitness as well. Mm -hmm. So they understand the movements, the range of motion, all the things that I'm trying to accomplish There's two things that baseball players, I don't care if you're a pitcher or not, should never do. You should never bicep and chest press. Like, you don't need those two muscles. Why am I trying to balloon them up to be good at sports? But I got pro fitness guys who want to look good teaching me how to get in shape. There's a fine line right there, and I've always said it. If you take your clothes off as a baseball player and you should be on the cover of a magazine, you're doing it all wrong.
0: Well, that's that is a great point. I mean, there's there's a certain amount of body fat, in my opinion, that needs to be present. You, you you have to you have to be able to understand the physical and mental demands that are are placed on a on a professional baseball player, and that's why I always get a kick out of when people at, early in my career said, "Well, you you can't be a starting catcher. You're not durable enough." I'm like. <laughs> how the fuck do you know I'm not durable enough? I just caught a hundred games a year in the minor leagues for what three straight years or whatever it may be, or at least that's how it seemed. And I was living off of the the, the sixty nine cent menu at Taco Bell, riding crappy ass buses. It that's wasn't right. like I was eating big league spreads and and eating fine dining and have you know have the ability to you know to, to pick and choose what I was gonna put in my mouth. I I had to put in my mouth whatever the heck I could afford. You know on that that's, on that eighteen hundred dollar a year pittance.
1: That 's another pet peeve of mine, oh my God, look how much bigger he is now than what he used to be yeah he 's not eating peanut butter and jelly anymore he 's actually eating spreads <laughs> that you'd kill to have at his disposal anytime he wants with that big league meal money yeah,
0: yeah that, that, and, then, and then that big league spread that whole that whole thing that 's what worries me about some some people and their fitness level because once you get a few dollars in your pocket uh things things can get out of control uh pretty darn quick, but you know we we we've touched on a ton of. Great stuff here today, Josh. Okay. And, and and I I feel like I wanna have you back next week because Part two. <laughs> we are uh we, we have we are just absolutely hitting the tip of the iceberg with regards to uh you, you and i and and the problems that we have with what's going on in the game today but i, I gotta let you go i want to thank you for your time and, and we're definitely going to do this again because thank you so uh, much this is uh this has been a, a a huge huge treat for us
1: yeah yeah i, I really appreciate it. i had a good time too
0: anytime you got it well that, everybody that was josh towers you know him you love him toronto whether josh believes it or not i know there's a lot of love in this town <laughs> for uh for uh josh <laughs> towers but uh we're going to sign off. This has been Fair or Foul with Greg and Takia. And uh, our special guest this week has been Josh Towers. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you so much, Josh. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Fair or Foul with Greg and Takia brought to you by our good friends at Seat Giant. Uh, you got to go check out seatgiant.ca for all of your ticket needs. Uh, you get to check out in Canadian dollars if you're listening from Canada. It's a a beautiful spot. Use the promo code Z-A-U-N upon checkout. It works down south in America for all of our American fans. Check it out. SeatGiant.com. Use the promo code ZAUN. Get a discount that's just special for all of our fair or foul fans. Tell your friends, pass it around, and uh, always want to send out our love to Indochino, keeping me looking as good as I can. As you know, I love my suits. And uh, what a special experience uh, it is to uh, shop with Indochino. Great prices and also Mm custom-made materials. We'll see you next week, gang. See you next week. You've been listening to the Farrah Podcast with Greg Zahn and Takiyah Singh.